Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. I thought they stayed up late and they were sleepy this morning, but as soon as they heard your name, they got really... Saving up their energy. Yeah, yeah, it was me. It's not you, it's me. Let's just pray for Pastor Mark before he shares. All right, guys? Now that I know you're awake. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Mark and for Amber and their family. We love them so much. And it's such an honor to have him back this morning to share the word with us. We pray you'd bless him as he does so and open our hearts to hear what you have to say from the scripture and from this beloved brother in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Mark, it's all yours. Feels like a lot of pressure. All right. (laughs) Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be with you guys again this morning. I I, I, uh, was looking at the announcements. You know, I still get them in the email or on Facebook or or whatever, and it was like, oh, Mark's going to be a guest speaker. Uh, I wonder how many Star Wars references there will be. And I'm like, oh, that feels like a lot of pressure. i got to come up with something. I see a lot of beautiful Star Wars T-shirts today. And when I was serving in Vandalia, there's two things about Star Wars that I remember. I was mentoring this young man we met regularly, and a new Star Wars movie came out. And I said, hey, this week, instead of you know, meeting together, we should go and see that movie. And he's like, my dad doesn't let us watch Star Wars. <laughs> I'm like, OK. Well, I bet he doesn't love my illustrations then. I better pull that back. And, and another wonderful farmer, uh, after one Sunday morning, came up to me and said, Mark, I never, never watched a Star Wars movie before. Didn't seem like it would be a very good use of my time. Like, OK, well, it's also probably true. <laughs> So, but, so I'm, but I'm in Nichols this morning, and so we can just, we can just be free. Um, you know, I am, I am working at a, at a Reformed church now, and so I thought, since Cameron's not here, I would just start out by reiterating the five points of Calvinism. <laughs> Total depravity. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Cameron, uh, I'm just, this is like stand-up. I'm starting, I'm starting the stand-up today. So... I had, I had coffee with Cameron a couple weeks ago, and he's like, oh, can you cover you know, this Sunday? It would be really great. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I was like, and now that I'm not employed there, I can, I can finally say you know, what I want to. And he's like, well, remember, I'm very good friends with your boss. And so um, I'm like, OK, well, well, we'll rein it in there. So we're just going to go ahead and stick to the, 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 the series today of freedom. And I was excited about this because over the last year, uh, God has been doing something really, really awesome in me and helping me step into a new level of, of freedom. And so hopefully this is helpful for some of you guys. I am basically just going to kind of tell, kind of uh, talk about kind of what God has been doing in my life over the last year or so. But we'll start with your theme verse. Oh, this buzzes. I thought it was my phone. This buzzes when you click to the next slide. So, oh, excuse me. Uh, Living out our freedom. Paul says to the church in Galatia, chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Right? We are called as Christ followers to step into freedom And all too often, we hold on to freedom 
and yet we carry around with us, as Christ followers, a yoke of slavery. And guess what? We don't have to do that, and so that's kind of what we want to talk about today. But let's start by looking at what is it that we mean when we talk about freedom. Freedom, according to Merriam-Webster, is the quality or state of being free, such as the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action. That's pretty good. Uh, Or B, uh, liberation from slavery or restraint from the power of another. Independence. Independence. Yay, independence. And normally, we equate freedom and independence. Um, You know, we think of freedom means that we get to choose what we do with our lives and how we want to live. As Americans, we love freedom. We, We celebrate our independence. But the question I want to lay before us today is, is that the same thing as biblical freedom? Well, let's see what Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary has to say about this. When they define uh, freedom, they say the absence of slavery, the ability to do and go as one desires. Only God has absolute freedom. He is not controlled from the outside. Human beings, while not totally free, can experience a measure of freedom in different areas of life social, economic, political, and spiritual. So for sure, God cares deeply about our freedom, right? We can look at the Exodus story where God raises up Moses to to lead his people out of their slavery in Egypt, right? He wants them to be free. But our freedom must not be independent. You see, independence was actually the sin at the root of the sin of Adam and Eve. Right? They are in the garden. God says, don't eat from, you can eat from any tree you want, but don't eat from the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. But they're like, nah, we want to uh, do it our way. Right? We don't want to be dependent on God telling us what's right and wrong. We'll just figure it out ourselves. And so they reach out in their independence and partake of the fruit. For Christ's followers, we've been set free from the law of, of sin and death, but we now submit to this brand new and awesome and beautiful law, which is the new covenant. It's a covenant of grace in and through Jesus, but it does not bring us into a place of independence. It brings us into a place of freedom, but not independence. Because as we look at the gospel stories, even Jesus did not live independently. Take a look at John chapter 5, starting in verse 19. It says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works 
than these so that you will be amazed. I was listening to a pastor a few weeks ago, and he said that, that Jesus says very truly when he's about to say something that is maybe hard for us to understand or hard for us to get our minds wrapped around. And here, Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do nothing. So according to Jesus, he was not able to do things by himself. He was completely dependent on the Father. And so I was kind of pondering that idea and just kind of picturing, you know, what if, you know, Jesus was like a train on a, on a set of tracks. And just like a, a train can go, only go on the rails, Jesus could only do what he saw the Father doing. And I was like, is that heretical? That feels wrong, right? Like Jesus is the freest person that we know. He's the freest person to ever walk on the the face of the earth. And yet, he was fully dependent on the Father. So it makes me ask, am I fully dependent on the Father? Are you fully dependent on the Father? Are you staying on the rails? Or is your life a train wreck? Those seem to be our options using my pretty sketchy illustration here, right? Where have we gone off the rails for our independence? And what we learn from the life of Jesus and from the gospel stories is that real life-giving freedom is only found in slavery to Jesus. I thought maybe about toning down that word and saying servant, but I think that this, the Greek word doulos that is often uh, translated as servant here, like servant, it's just like a nicer way of saying slave. Paul in Romans 1 calls himself in the NIV the servant of Christ, but it's the, the doulos, it is the slave of Christ. Paul found his freedom not in his independence, but in Galatians 2.20, he says, uh, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. It is, I, know, I think I have this. I don't have to quote it. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? This is his freedom. is in his self-sacrificial death. He was crucified with Christ or his alignment with Jesus' death, right? His his freedom comes from his slavery to Jesus. Like that doesn't feel like the, the freedom or the independence that we really want to step into. But I think the truth is that real life-giving freedom only comes as we serve the master, Jesus Christ. And I'm guessing that most Christ followers uh, here would agree with this, but the problem is we don't do it. <laughs> like, that is a good point, Mark. Yes, it is. You know, slavery to Christ, serving Christ, that's where freedom comes from. And then we just go home and play Fortnite. But that's, 
I got two victory royales yesterday, but <laughs> no big whoop. No, no big whoop, right? We, we think about this kind of idea, and, and we agree with it, but we live differently, right? We actually run into trouble when we think we can serve two masters. Jesus said something about this. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I know in context, Jesus here is talking about money, but just bear with me as we extrapolate on this a little bit. I think that Jesus had much more in mind. Money is huge. It's a really, really big deal. But even outside of that, we cannot serve two masters. We need to start thinking differently. And the Empire Strikes... (laughs) I knew that was going to happen. Don't do that again. What I do, Jeff? <laughs> Jeff is coming to help me. Everything's fine. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, we'll try this again. I'm doing my best. Okay, so in the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Oh my goodness. Yoda told Luke that you must unlearn what you have learned. Does everybody remember that part? You must unlearn what you have learned. And if Luke wants to be trained as a Jedi, right, he needed to lay down his previously learned way of life and give himself to the teachings of Yoda and to the way of the Force. He had learned to use anger and control and independence and fear as his guides to life. But now he's being invited into a better way. And as Christ followers, we too need to unlearn what we have learned, both from kind of worldly ways of thinking and bad theological ways of thinking. Right? It's like bad theology not going to help you anyway, okay? And so we need to go, all right, Jesus, how do we really live out the way that you have called us to live? And we need to learn to recognize these things and unlearn our previous ways of thinking. So I've been following Jesus for quite a while. Uh, I've been, I got saved in this very church, well, this very congregation in another building, uh, a little over 25 years ago. I know, it's amazing. But within the last year or so, God has really been uh, showing me uh, how, while I often kind of will pay lip service to trust in God, in reality, I very quickly and very easily uh, begin trusting in other things. I know that's probably none of you guys, and you guys are like, who's this guy? How'd they let him up here? 
right? But here, let me just give you a couple of examples. I believe that God is my provider, right? I could come up with some verses about that. But when things get tight or unexpected expenses roll in, I quickly realize that my peace and my security is found in the balance of my checking account. Sorry, I think maybe if I don't put it in my pocket, how about if I do that? We'll try that for a minute. We'll just see what that does. All right. Uh, I believe that God, Jeff's coming back. <laughs> oh, am I switching? Okay. Let me turn this off. Fancy new, uh, where is the mic? Okay, get rid of this. There we go. Okay. Where was I? Uh, God is our provider, but it's easy to trust in our checking account. That's what I said. Um, or we can believe that God is sovereign and he is our eternal hope. But when the wrong party gets elected, we can quickly realize that my security is found in the right people holding political office. Not you guys, but other people I've heard of. Right? I believe that God is a good, good father and that he loves us. But when pain and trouble and sickness and difficulty come, I can start to realize that my security is actually found in kind of everything going according to my script and the way I think things should go. We can believe that our identity is in Christ. We can make that mental assertion, yes, my identity is in Christ. We, we know that, or I know that I'm a, a new creation. I'm God's workmanship. I'm chosen for a purpose. I've been set free. I'm forgiven. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm a child of God, but I can still live a life of manipulation and control trying to get my self-esteem needs met by controlling my image, trying to look good on social media, finding my worth and value in what I do, living in comparison with others, and always striving to be the best. We try to hold on to Christ with one hand, and we try to hold on to our bank account, or our political party, or our health, or our identity with the other. But we can't do that. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. And we need to unlearn what we have learned. And this is a scary thing to do. Right? We have just created these ways of dealing with, with life, right, through, you know, finding security in these ways and letting go of them is really, really scary. And it sometimes feels like reaching out and trusting in Jesus is not super helpful. It feels like that. But this idea of you that you can't serve two masters is a spiritual truth that we cannot get away from. And so if you're holding on to your own image for identity, you have to let go of Jesus. You can't hold on to both. So what is it that you're holding on to 
that is keeping you from holding fast to Jesus. And for me, as I've mentioned, a lot of this was all in my identity. I found my value and my identity in being the best. And you guys might be saying, well, Mark, we knew you. You weren't really the best at anything. And trust me, I I know. And that creates a lot of internal challenges, right? When you're like, I get my identity from being the best, but I'm not. Oh, that's hard. All right? But... uh, I gave lip service to trusting in God and finding my identity in him, but in reality, I would find my value in words of affirmation, get value in how good I thought my last sermon was, I get value from looking good in front of others, I value from getting good grades in school, value from people liking me, and on and on. Anybody else? You don't have to raise your hand. But my counselor said, she said to me, Mark, isn't it exhausting to live like that? And I was like, well, yeah, it is, but I don't know how not to do it. If I stop controlling my image and living out of how I think other people think of me, I feel vulnerable and I feel scared and I feel alone. Like, I don't like that, so I'll just see how many likes I can get on this Facebook post which apparently is 106 from my most, no big deal, but yeah, whatever. Not that I'm not counting. So, uh, <laughs> so I had to, I had, I've had to learn how to let go of my pride, how to let go of my false identity, and learn how to let go of that and to hold on to Jesus. I have had to learn the truth that no one can serve two masters. And if you really want to walk in the freedom that we have been talking about in this series over the the last few weeks, right, it's that we need to, to experience real freedom. We need to actually do what Jesus has called us to do and to put our trust in him, to take up our cross and follow him, to make him First, to put him on the throne of our lives. So here is what I uh, have been practicing, and it's been really helpful for me. I was working, I was going through my slides uh, earlier this morning, and this is, the formatting's not great. I could probably, if I was going to write a book, I'd probably do something better than this, but just bear with me. This is, this is what I've got. So First, I I start to notice when the spiral starts. For me, that is the spiral of insecurity. For you, it might be the spiral of, I don't know. I can't think of anything that wouldn't be offensive. So let's just say identity, uh, right? It's like I start to feel this thing, right? And I, I don't want to live like that. And so I start through this process. All right, God, this is what I'm telling myself. And for me, it's usually like, I'm not good enough. People don't want me around. I don't have what it takes, yada, 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 right? And so I go, God, this is what I'm telling myself. And I write that with words in my journal. And then I go, all right, so what do you say? God usually says something nice. I love you. I'm for you. Whatever. You know, something good. And that's, that didn't come out right. He said something good. It's really, really great. And, and then I start to go, okay, and I'm going to recognize that my negative thought is rooted in my insecurity. 
right? This is all, okay, I'm going down kind of a rabbit trail that I do not like going. This is rooted in my insecurity. So God, what is the lie that I'm believing about you? And it's usually something like, you're believing that I'm not for you and that I'm not with you, right? And so we see this tension between what God says and what I'm telling myself about God. They're not in alignment. So I'm believing lies about God. And so then I go, all right, I'm going to walk away from this journaling moment with a truth and uh, try to find a Bible verse that I need to speak over myself, all right? And so I say, Lord, what scripture do I need to speak over myself? And you might think you don't know any scripture, you don't have any Bible memorized, but something will pop into your mind. Or if not, you could go, Google, what does the Bible say about insecurity? And he's got a bunch of great ideas. So that's fine. You can do that. It's not unspiritual to Google Bible verses. And then out of this scripture, what is the positive self-talk I need to speak over myself? Right? This, isn't, this isn't anything brand new. I'm apologizing about that. I couldn't come up with some brand new revelation that nobody had come up with yet. And so I just went with this, which I think is really good. So, so I started doing this. And when I started practicing this, it was, as I said, hard and, and scary. But since I have learned this, I have begun to walk in the greatest freedom of my life. Right? Praise God. And now this is scripture. This is a great mentor in my life and counseling. Those are all great things to do. All right? And if you're struggling with this, don't just think, I can do this by myself and fix it. No, go find somebody to help you. It's great. It's really great. So I'm stepping into the greatest freedom. Right? And so a situation came up a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was teaching for the first time at, at Centerpoint. And that's a big stage. It's kind of this big opportunity. And at center point, you know, I'm just getting to know people. I'm pretty new. And so I really wanted to put my, my best foot forward. And this is kind of prime breeding ground for my insecurity. And I started seeing this, this spiral. Um, and I, you know, as I started to compare myself to the other speakers, trying to figure out what other people thought about my sermon, you know, what did they think about me, right? Did they think that I was valuable? All this stuff is what kind of can start swimming in my mind in that kind of a situation. And so I went through this process, and, uh, and I asked God for a verse, and he led me to yeah, I might have Googled this one. Anyway, uh, and he led me to Galatians 1. 10, uh, which I have written down here, but I'm going to try to do it by memory, where Paul says, am, am I now trying to please human beings? No. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I now trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I recognized kind of what I was doing, and I was like, you know what, God? I'm really grateful for this opportunity to teach at Centerpoint. It's going to be really good. And I want to be excellent. I want to bring the best that I have to these people, but not so that I am built up, not so that I uh, get the spotlight comes on me, but so that I can point towards you because I'm a servant of you. I'm not living trying to, to win the approval of human beings. I still want to do a good job for you. And so if I speak and people love, love it, fantastic. And if not, that's all right, too, because I know that I'm fine in you. And so today, as we go from here, I, 
I want to encourage you that you can begin or you can continue walking out and living in the freedom that you have in Jesus. Jesus works. He works if we do it his way. If we are willing to let go of all these other ways that we have learned to find safety and security, and we learn to trust in him. And so as we close, I just want to take a minute to ask the Lord, what is it that we are holding on to for safety and happiness that aren't him? Where are we living independently? So we're just going to be quiet for a moment. Yeah, Lord Jesus, would you show us where we are holding on to something that isn't of you, whether it's politics or finances or our social media image or whatever it is, God, would you show us? And Lord, we believe that We believe what you said when you said we can't serve two masters. And so, Lord, we repent. We repent for holding on to anything that isn't you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your incredible grace, for your unfailing mercy, for your love. Lord, we we know that you even promise in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Lord, so often we see trouble and, and difficulty as this. I mean, we think that maybe we're encountering that because we've not been good or we've not been faithful. But Lord, that's not true. But Lord, in the midst of those difficulties, in the midst of pain, in the midst of hopelessness, We trust you. We know that it's only through you that we will be seen through these things. That we can find peace and joy and hope in the midst of this dark valley. Help us to recognize when we are reaching for anything that isn't of you in the midst of those times, God. When when the spit hits the fan, God, 
I said that so just so you know. We so often are prone at that point just to to take things under our own control, but more than ever in those moments, Lord, we need to reach out and hold fast to you. So for every person here this morning, God, that's going through something, that's going through, you know, uh, just a, a difficult time, difficult uh, relationships, job loss, uh, you know, questioning how they're going to pay the mortgage or fix the air conditioner or whatever it is, God. Lord, I pray that you would come and be a very, very present help for those. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you want to step into the fullness of life and the freedom that can be found in him, I just encourage you to to pray with me this morning. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. And if you prayed that this morning, I would love to talk with you after church and just kind of help you as you begin this journey of running after Jesus. And if you've been following Jesus for a while, I encourage you to just think about this message and go, God, where am I holding on to anything that is not you? All right, thank you for having me. Turn it over to Bill.